The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So again, greetings. And <clears throat> this morning will be the last of the five talks on kind of the general principles of early Buddhist ethics. And um, yesterday I talked about the ten unskillful and ten skillful actions. That the Buddha was very concerned about how we act and live in the world. And that we want to live in the world, our actions, our behavior, and our relationship to other people, to be skillful or wholesome. At least nine of those ten skillful actions have to do with our relationship to others in the world. Actions, so this, it's, it's a, what's wholesome or skillful is to avoid killing and harming other beings. What's skillful or wholesome is to avoid stealing, hurting people through our sexuality and sexual behavior. Lying, avoiding lying, avoiding divisive or malicious speech, avoiding harsh speech, pointless speech, avoiding being avaricious, meaning wanting the things of other people, avoiding having ill will. So those nine are all about how we are in relationship to uh, other people. And Buddha put tremendous emphasis on this importance and to behave and act in ways that avoid harm and provide good for other people, to live for the welfare of others. Now these 10 skillful and unskillful actions are said to have roots. That's a plant metaphor that some plants, if you just cut them off at the surface of the ground, the roots will sprout more. But if you uproot them, then they don't grow anymore. So the, um, the unskillful um, actions in the world, all Buddha said always have a, a, one of three roots. And those are the roots that we want to uproot. And those roots are greed, hatred, and delusion. And you'll find myself and Buddhists, Theravadan Buddhists, teachers, will repeat these three over and over again, greed, hate, and delusion. And it's a little bit, you know, after a while we get familiar with it, used to it. It kind of like, it's a little bit like too much, you know, to keep saying the same thing over and over again. And I apologize for that, but it's also that it's so central to this tradition because those three are seen to be the psychological roots for all ways in which we live that we intentionally, consciously, knowingly cause harm in the world. And the idea is to live without causing harm. And... Um, uh, and so we find that greed, hate, and delusion has uh, a central role in the teachings of the Buddha, seeing how they work, and then becoming free of them, being liberated from greed, hate, and delusion. There is a very, somewhat famous uh, chapter in the Connected Discourses of the Buddha that um, in Vikabodhi's translation is called um, uh, the chapter on the... Un I think it's called the chapter on the unconditioned. 
And in it, it gives a whole series of synonyms. And I've heard Dharma teachers recite these synonyms, 44 synonyms, I think, uh, as if they're synonyms, as if they're all talking about uh, Nibbana, liberation, because Nibbana is one of the words. And some, at some point, it just goes through a whole list of the text, the translation. But the list is actually supposed to be a, um, the word that's substituted into a bigger text as with all the text is the same, except that this, these words change. And these words are kind of inspiring. Uh, you know, and some people, it's almost like, a, I don't know if poetry is the right word, but to settle back and just hear some of these words can be quite inspiring. Um, tru- truth, the far shore, the unaging, the stable, the unmanifest, the unproliferated, the peaceful, the deathless, the sublime, the auspicious, the secure, the destruction of craving, the wonderful, the amazing, the unailing, Nibbana, the unafflicted, purity, freedom, the island, the shelter, the asylum, the refuge. Great words. And, but when they're listed just as synonyms for Nibbana, we actually miss what the central teaching is in this chapter. Um, all, because it's, they're not really synonyms for Nibbana, exactly. What they're synonyms for is something else. And, um, and we can see this with the very first one, where it talks about the unconditioned. One of these lists of 44 is the unconditioned. And in the first uh, time that this word appears, they give you the whole text. And, um, and, um, and then to read a little piece of it, and what is the unconditioned, says the Buddha. The unconditioned is the destruction of greed, hatred, and delusion. This is called the unconditioned. So for all those synonyms that I read, um, for all those synonyms that I read, uh, the, um, they're all being linked or being expla- explained as synonyms for the destruction of greed, hate, and delusion, more so than of each other. It's the emphasis over and over again, it's the destruction, the end of greed, hate, and delusion, which the Buddha is pointing to. In fact, the most common, I think the most common definition for enlightenment is the destruction, the ending of greed, hatred, and delusion. Now, because greed, hate, and delusion are the roots for unskillful, what I call, what we could call unethical behavior in the world, unskillful, unwholesome, akusala, the destruction of greed, hate, and delusion has an ethical component. It's an ethical realization because the source, the motivation, the impulse to be unethical is eliminated. And in this way, the enlightenment is indistinguishable from becoming completely ethical. That uh, in the sense of any kind of intentional, conscious uh, causing of harm to anybody else. And so this is one of the themes for this week is how much what we would call in English 
ethics and what in Buddhism we might call liberation really should be seen as one and the same. They're inseparable. And, um, and this, uh, uh, and how deep this is, is in the Buddha teaching is, I'll read this passage. There's a very famous part of the liturgy in Theravadan Buddhism um, and it, uh, where they chant every day, some the monastics especially, and they chant this, this line about the Dharma. The Dharma is visible here and now, immediate, inviting to be seen, onward leading, and to be personally realized by the wise. This is a, and I'll read a little bit bigger passage of what this means specifically. The Buddha said, when you know there is greed, hatred, and del- or delusion within you, and when you know there is no greed, hatred, and delusion within you, then you know the Dharma that is visible here and now, immediate, inviting to be seen for oneself, onward leading, and to be personally realized by the wise. The whole you know, heart of the Dharma, what it really is, when you really want to know it for yourself, is not a metaphysical truth, there's not a cosmic truth, you know, the transcendent truth, it's not something... Uh, um, you know, some great state of consciousness that's, you know, uh, reified, you know, wonderful states of consciousness, something. He's defining it here that the, to really know the Dharma, you know, when the, you, know, you really know your own greed, hatred, and delusion, you see it. Hopefully you see it with a beautiful mind, beautiful awareness. And then you know when it's absent. And know that possible to have a mind, a heart that doesn't have greed, hate, and delusion you really know that in deep way, then you know the Dharma. Then you know what's onward leading. Then you know you can move into this direction. You can mature and grow and develop this wonderful capacity. So in this way, the Buddha is giving priority to personal empirical experience over any kind of teachings that are relied on through faith or through texts or through teachers The idea is to become your own teacher. And you discover it by this sensitivity, mindfulness, awareness, to really know and feel greed, hate, and delusion. Now, I keep emphasizing this ethical sensitivity because greed, hate, and delusion, we can actually feel the impact it has on our system. Again, to quote the Buddha, these, uh, uh, these unwholesome, unskillful roots, um, they are, he calls them, they, they are suffering in this very life. They come with fixation, despair, and fever. Um, he, sa- he emphasizes that people who have the three unwholesome roots, greed, hate, and delusion, are injuring themselves um, because they are forms that bring harm, suffering, and discomfort to oneself. And so he has this poem, Greed, hatred, and delusion arisen from within oneself injure the person as its own fruit destroys the reed. Apparently there was a reed plant in ancient India that when the fruit matured, maybe it sapped, took out the nutrients from the rest of the plant and it died. So this idea that um, um, that we can feel, sense the dukkha, the pain, of greed, hate, and delusion. It's actually very important because that gives us the clue for how to be free. 
it gives us a sense of this is not what I want to do. The Buddha called it a thorn that we take pull out of the heart. The absence of greed, hate, and delusion, a mind, a heart that doesn't have it, that is beautiful. The word kalyana, and sometimes in English the word beauty, is associated with being virtuous or being ethical. And even though ethics is not a word the Buddha used, he did talk about kalyana in terms of virtue, in terms of living an ethical life, living by the precepts. And so this um, motivation to living an ethical life in Buddhism all arises from the inside out. It can arise from the inside out as we feel and sense and experience what's really happening within and seeing the roots of unskillful, unhealthy, unethical behavior, how the roots of it, how it arises out of a way that we're injuring ourselves and how the absence of it arises from what is actually nourishing and supportive for us, that what arises out of what's beautiful. Now this is why mindfulness is such an important quality uh, to really be in the present moment, to notice what's here, pay attention to what's here, we can become our own teacher, our own coach for how in Engl- for what in English we might call an ethical life. For what in Buddhism we might call a life that doesn't cause any harm in the world, but a life which is concerned for the welfare and happiness of self, of others, of self and others, and for the whole world. And as I said the, I think earlier in the week, this is a definition, definition of a wise person. This is a definition of someone who's spiritually mature in Buddhism. They're concerned for the welfare of self, others, self and others, and for the whole world. May it be so. <laughs>